We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everybody. We are the Pettiest Bills Podcast. I'm not bright enough for all of that. Drew Gator. Because I thrive off negativity, it's just more hackery from a charlatan and a carpetbag. The Rock Pile Report. Oh, my blood pressure's rising. He gave him Coors Banquet beers out of spite. The Pettiest, Hardest Drinking Bills Podcast. I'll go to hell and back just to prove a point. Everybody to another edition of the Rock Pile Report podcast. I'm your host, Bill, season ticket holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Kruger. It's pirate radio over here this weekend, boys and girls. I shouldn't even be here. Shh, don't tell on Poland cars is gonna fuck you up. <laughs> He'll never take me alive. Alright? What was great is we were discussing you coming over here. I got held over at work this morning, so I left work at 11, in bed at noon, up at 4.30 to shovel the end of the driveway, because Jessica spent this morning snowblowing the main part of the driveway. And then, of course, you get here. There's a brand new snowbank created by a snowplow. The town loader came through like a loader. Think about what a front, like a high lift looks like. And just, you could see where they just came right down Chris's street and just created fresh snowbanks. I get it. You're clearing the street. I, I don't begrudge you. But also, that was the most inconvenient time of all time. <laughs> uh, obviously, you know, if you've listened to our previous podcast, our recap show, you know all about the snow. You know what we're dealing with. It's uh, it's a pirate radio weekend here, boys and girls. And we are here, but but what am I going to do? It's a thing. Where would you rather be than right here, right now? I'm here because we have business, right? Like the Bills, I, I think I heard uh, being talked about by some of the members of the Bills players. They're talking about standing on business. They've got business to stand on. Well, so do I. That's why I'm here. We're talking about the 2023-2024 divisional round preview. The Kansas City Chiefs against the Buffalo Bills. Got your time at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard. We are the latest Sunday game to try to accommodate for the day of rest we lost. The place, Ralph Wilson Stadium, Orchard Park, New York. 
The weather is going to be in the mid-20s with a 10% chance of precipitation and mild winds. The line is the Bills are currently minus three. And the official, guess who we drew, Chris? I mean, you tweeted about it yesterday, Sean Hockley. Sean Hockley. The guy that did the Eagles game. (sighs) You know, I, I sometimes wonder, the NFL and NFL officiating, if a bunch of idiots like me and the guys who run Football Zebras and the guys who run NFLPenalties.com, like if we can aggregate data on who is and who isn't a good ref or how certain refs favor certain teams and how like certain teams track records when a certain official calls that game, if we can fall aggregate and kind of follow that data, why can't they? Which tells me they probably can, they just choose not to. And Ryan Lasel from Rock Sports asked me the other day, he goes, you know, he said it, he goes, I'd, I'd love to know how these officials get decided. It would be interesting. I don't think any journalist will ever be able to get a straight answer on that, do you? No. No. I think Ed Hockley is <clears throat> still involved in the NFL, and it's through nepotism that his fucking kid gets to call these fucking playoff games. That's what it is. I think, like, this is what I hate. In a season that's felt like there was a lot of redemption story arcs, a lot of slaying of dragons going on. You win in Miami after losing there in 2022. You win in Kansas City with your season on the line. You find a consistent running game, which was the thing that you always knew you needed literally by crushing Dallas with it at home in your building. This just feels like one more poetic hurdle for our football team. They have to jump jump over. They now have to contend with this guy who has just been... He's a boob. I mean, he's been a thorn in the Bills' side forever. Now, he not only has been a thorn in the Bills' side, but he's also been incredibly pro-Kansas City Chiefs over the course of his career. The Chiefs' record... Well, what did I say? I think I saw 8-2. and two. In the 10 games that he's officiated, <clears throat> the Bills are one in three. What I hate is that in four games that he's officiated for the Bills, 90 yards per game he's averaging in penalties against us, and then some egregious non calls that we just don't get. Why? Because Sean Hockley's crew is calling the game. It's like, of course, that's in there. Of course, you couldn't give me. Alex Kemp or any of the other guys who are officiating games elsewhere this weekend. Obviously, in a year where we just seem like we're on this run, we have to get Sean Hockley. On the call, Nance and Romo. <laughs> Nance. As, as, as usual, Nance and Romo. I think my favorite part of this is knowing that there's like, like somebody, there's people, this is how unplugged from <clears throat> internet culture I am. There's people out there who literally exist on like TikTok or TikTok or whatever, Instagram, whatever thing is. They go Instagram Illegal Chinese websites. And they will, like literally they just exist to read like emojis. Like they have reactions for emojis you send them and you pay to send them one and they have like a sound they make. And idiots are pumping money into this, but there was one that I loved where the guy was in a hot dog costume. 
And every time someone sent him a hot dog, he did this thing of like, and someone made a hilarious, go check it out at Rockpile Report. They were like, Nansen, it's this guy like pretending that he's eating hot dogs as fast as he can. And someone was like, here's Romo getting ready to prepare for Mahomes versus Josh Allen. (laughs) That makes perfect sense. It was probably one of the best tweets I've seen in two days. Here's a fun fact. The last... Well, first of all, let's talk about the injury report before we really dig into the nuts and bolts of this thing. Um, For the Bills, I, I mean, I don't think it could get longer than that, can it? That might be one of the longest injury reports we've had all season. I mean, if you look at the the way the game happened on uh, against the Steelers, losing Bernard, and who else did we lose? So this is Spectre. where the, well, so this is an interesting talking point at the top of the show. The Bills have a lot of injuries. The Chiefs had pretty much everybody on their injury report, like they're practicing. Right? Is Mahomes full? Is Mahomes on the Chiefs injury report listed as uh, can't find another helmet? That was really funny. Don't don't get me wrong. That was a hilarious sequence in that game where he just jams a helmet on his head, goes out, and then like you can tell halfway through that play as he's at the line, he's like, "Ah, fuck, this doesn't fit," and he just throws an errant pass, and then he's on the sideline yelling at people to find him a new helmet. That was pretty funny. So everybody who was on the Chiefs injury report was full participant, limited participant, except for Derek Nottie. Derek Nottie, their defensive tackle, tricep injury, did not participate, but that doesn't rule him out. Meanwhile, the Bills had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players who were listed as a DNP. Couple fulls, Josh Allen's on there for a neck injury, Hyde's on there for a neck, and then... Dodson, Douglas, Johnson, like all of these players filtering in there in some limited capacity. We are very beat up right now. And that sucks. This is the worst time of the season to be dealing with these sorts of injuries. I mean, just ask the Dolphins. I do think that the health of each team is going to play a factor, and I, I hate the fact, right? Like, I hate the fact that the Chiefs are probably the healthiest they've been in a month. Now, they are missing one important cog, the Chiefs are, and that's running back uh, Jarek McKinnon. McKinnon has quietly been this running back for them. Like, we all know about how good Isaiah Pacheco is. We know that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire can come in and do some nice things in a limited capacity for you. McKinnon was one of the, like, more targeted players in the passing game on their team at certain points in the season, if you look back through game logs. McKinnon's a player that they've often looked at as a, hey, we can put him in on passing downs, but we see him as a legitimate threat. Like, if I'm looking at these statistics and I just want to look at the passing, right? Receiving. Receiving yards. So, for receiving yards, Jarek McKinnon had 192, which you say to yourself, that's not a ton. He has four receiving touchdowns. He's third on the team, and when they're in the red zone, he was a real threat for that team. And his injury really kind of fouled some of the things that they like to do in the red zone up. 
Because now, outside of Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice, they don't have, which we're going to get into, they're lacking reliable targets in the passing game. That's affected their creativity in the red zone. It's affected a lot of things about their offense. I mean, you're talking about a Chiefs team that just kicked how many field goals against the Dolphins, Chris? If you want to give that a goog for me. Probably four or five, right? How do you get to 26? What's 15 plus 18 plus 7? Is that 26? In fact, I could just tell you. I bet he kicked. Scoring. Harrison Bucker, one, two, three, f- four field goals. <clears throat> and they're, and none of them, and, and I think what's damning is none of them were long field goals. A 28-yarder, a 26-yarder, a 32-yarder, and a 21-yarder. So your offense would get into the reds, like near the red zone, and then just falter. Because now your safeties don't have to worry about stretching the field. Again, we're going to get to this. But so that Jarek McKinnon injury is big for the Chiefs, just in terms of what they are, what we think they are, what they want to be structurally. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire gives you some of that. Isaiah Pacheco can give you little bits and pieces of it. But neither of them are the receiver that McKinnon was. For the Bills, these injuries are concerning, and at the same time, there are certain things. Like, obviously, we've signed Matt Hawk, so he is going to come in. He's got familiarity with our kicker and our snapper, so I assume that helps, right? Mm-hmm. Sam Martin's not going to play, and I don't know if we'll see him again. I mean, a hamstring injury for a guy who punts is pretty big. So with that in mind, <clears throat> Christian Benford... And Balin Specter, like Balin Specter. So I'm looking at bangedupbills.com, which is what you should be doing anytime that there's an injury like this or injuries like this, and you want to know more about them. Bangedupbills.com. Sounds like Balin Specter probably going to have an opportunity, right? Like he's got a back injury, and they said, okay, he took a knee. I would be shocked to see if tomorrow on Thursday he's not a limited participant. I would be genuinely surprised, just based on the mechanism of injury, the way Kyle breaks it down for you as far as what happened, what he suspects happened. I think that this is a big game where I need to see Taylor Rapp, don't you? Especially with the injuries at linebacker. You think he's going to come down play in the box? I th- Well, no, but I think that the, having him available would allow them to put Jordan Poyer in the box. Right? All right. When they've needed guys to rotate up and play a high safety, that's what you've seen. You've seen Rap being one of the deep safeties when they put multiple on the field at the same time. <clears throat> His availability is going to be big to how this game gets played. I also think, you know, like, you look at some of this, they're talking about Tyrell Dodson. We might get him back with his shoulder injury. I've hated on that guy all season long. It would be nice to have a guy in the box. I think Dorian Williams plays faster than Tyrell Dodson. And at the same time, this is a game where while we just got done singing A.J. Klein's praises, I don't know that I want A.J. Klein out there against an Andy Reid offense. Do you? Mm, No. That sounds like a recipe for disaster. I just, I look at this and I say to myself, if I can get Tyrell Dodson back, yeah, the fact that Terrell Bernard, they're talking about him maybe being able to play is crazy when you think about the fact that he got carted off the field. The Christian Benford knee injury is also, I think, important here. 
Because we saw Kyrie Lam have a have a day where he made some big plays. He also gave up some plays. He made some mistakes. It's kind of what he's been through the course of his career. Going into this game without Benford, I would be very concerned. <clears throat> Benford thinks that he's, or Kyle Trimble at Banked Up Bills thinks he's dealing with a lateral meniscus tear. Said he was working it out on the bike, but never came back into the game. So, you're thinking about this. He says that not only is Spectre's injury kind of a pain management one, but also, depending on the type of meniscus tear, for Benford it could just become a pain management issue. And that's why you have a coach who's willing to call them day to day and say, look, I'm ready to, I'm not ready to rule anybody out. We're going to see what options we have available to us as the week goes on. The health of these players, if, if everyone who's a DNP right now, I think the biggest one is Teron Johnson. Concussions are weird. You know, he just got one. It didn't seem like a big deal. He seemed pissed that they were taking him out of the game at all. Now he's limited. Like, he was at practice in a limited capacity, which tells you you're not even allowed to be limited unless you're at a certain stage of the concussion protocol. So that right there is a huge boon. Because I don't, I can't picture this game with Cam Lewis. I just can't. I mean, without with without Rap, without Lewis or Johnson, I just does having all of these corners out and it, us having to play our what four, five, six string corners does that somehow enhance the receivers that the Chiefs have, or do they still suck? We're going to talk about that. If anything, what I think it does, Gabe Davis still not participating with his knee injury. We'll obviously have to see what Thursday and Friday bear. This is a game where you, okay, all these defensive injuries, fine. Then I have to go win it. Then I can't let this be a defensive game like we saw last time. I have to go out there and be the better offense. You're you're going to have to approach this from a standpoint of I'm going to be the quarterback who's going to lead an offense that's going to score 29 points. Can you beat me to 30? Can you beat me to 30? I think it's and that's going to have to be the mentality that our quarterback and our offense brings into this game. Now, what's funny is that we're going to see this inside of Ralph Wilson Stadium. Do you know, or do you remember, Chris, the last time the Chiefs played a game inside Ralph Wilson Stadium with fans in the stand? No, I do not. Okay, because you remember 2020, the 2020 COVID season. Yeah, yeah. They played in an empty building, and for some reason, even though they were outplaying us, the game was still close at the end. Like, it was a frustrating thing to watch. And I think that was a game that got moved. Because there were so many people who had COVID and things were getting shuffled around. I don't know. I just remember making a pot of pulled pork in a crock pot. And I still think that that's the reason we lost. is because I didn't smoke it. Because I'm a schmuck. The last time Kansas City played a game inside Buffalo with fans in the stands, Kyle Orton was the Bills quarterback. Jamal Charles was still a top running back in the NFL. And Dwayne Bowe was the Chiefs' biggest passing weapon. Dwayne Bow. 2014. 
Chris, how is it that we've played? Like, it's crazy to think that all of the, like, the recency that the Bills Chiefs have, like, what's cultivated Bills Chiefs as must-see TV and created this environment where this is a game that everybody who loves the game of football wants to see. How has it never been in Buffalo until now? Like, what do you know about the rotation of this? I mean, can you, like, I obviously, they rotate, they play based on schedule. How has this not been here in Buffalo until now? Well, it breaks down every year they're playing a different division within the conference, and every other time it switches at home. So I would say every four years, the Chiefs are coming here. But then also, two extra games on the schedule – you're playing the teams, the other two division winners from the previous season. So when it's, you know, we have a, we're playing the Chiefs, like that's just how the schedule breaks. Because we're, we've won the division four years in a row. So is Kansas City. So that means we're always going to play them the following season. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that breaks down to road and, and home games, but. You know, we've always had to go to Kansas City, and it sucks. And it's good to see their punk asses come out here to, to Orchard Park where we're going to fuck them up. We hope, Chris. We can only hope. No, I know. We're going to fuck them up. You're very confident. Yeah, yeah, How come you're not coming to this game? I have a limited amount of time off to take. I think it's... I have a week of vacation, three sick days, and a floating holiday. And I have, I've already used, I already have three on the schedule. That's not football related. So I have to pick and choose. If it's Bills in Houston, I will be at that AFC championship game. And no, we won't be leaving in the fourth quarter to beat traffic. Because it's going to be a fucking party. <clears throat> all night long in Orchard Park. As we fucking... Wait, wait, so what you're saying is... You want to rock and roll all night and party? I want to every day. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, that's how I live my life. Every yeah, day, that's how I live my life. You, every day. Yeah, you strike me as a real vibrant human being, Chris. You, a real high energy go getter. You know, you're really out there, Ron. Uh, I love you, but I hate you at the same time. Like it's hilarious to me. Yeah, let's go get these dickheads. <laughs> so, in terms of how we go about orchestrating that, I this isn't your typical Chiefs postseason team. It's just not. They're they're broken on offense, and that's kind of where I, this is one of the things I want to hit on because as I kind of go through the stats, I watched that Miami game. And I kept questioning, like, okay, when's going to be the drive? When's, where's the drive going to come in here where Patrick Mahomes just really puts his foot on the gas and says, hey, I'm going to take this game over right here, right now. We're going to run away with this thing, and it's not going to be close. And then we get to the third quarter, and I'm looking at this going, Miami's offense is awful. And at the same time, they're one lucky touchdown away from being like striking distance of winning the football game. What the hell is what the hell are the Patriots or the, the Chiefs doing? What are you doing? 
why isn't this working? You've got a you've got a Miami defense that's just beleaguered. They're missing most of their star power, and it doesn't seem to matter because you they kept making plays, and then the second that they got into the red zone, they would just stall. They would fall apart. Bad penalty, dropped footballs. You know, that, that's been my favorite thing about this is Patrick Mahomes just yelling at his teammates for half of most games about their miscues and just the things that aren't going well. And in very, like, like that Raiders game that they lost inexplicably, like that's part of the reason that they're in this position in the first place is they lose that game to the Raiders. Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey spend half the game just screaming at their teammates on the sideline. This isn't territory they're used to being in. <laughs> and, and, like, I don't understand, right? Like, they're in the divisional round of the... Like, I guess that's a testament to them and their coaching and the quality of their quarterback that they're in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs despite not having the typical fully functional offensive cast around them that they're used to having. So, I guess, golf clap for you, okay? Chris, think fast. How many Bills players caught more than 30 yards worth of passes during our last game? One. Four. Ooh. How many different players caught touchdown passes from Josh Allen against the Steelers? Three? Three. Three. Now, what if I told you that in beating the Miami Dolphins last week, Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey were the only targets on the entire roster to catch more than one pass or to get more than four targets? They each had 10. That number alone should be a little startling. Like, wait a minute. So you have two players on your team that got 20 targets and nobody else caught more than... Single pass. That almost makes you think there there might be a problem, right? Yeah. Your whole offense has to, your whole passing game is funneled to two players? That's odd. Outside of Rice and Kelsey, nobody caught more than a single pass that resulted in a first down. Again, nine passes to Rice and Kelsey for first downs. Nobody else on the roster had more than one. <laughs> Those two players, Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey, combined for 201 of Mahomes' 262 receiving yards. The rest of the roster produced nothing, dis- nothing of value, despite how beat up the Miami defense was entering that game. Despite all of those injuries, the decimation of the Miami pass rushers, the cornerbacks being limited, an injured Duke Riley trying to gut the game out because they didn't have any linebackers to throw in there. Mahomes managed just one touchdown pass. And a hole in his helmet. And a hole in his helmet. If you throw in the fact that the Chiefs finished the season, like the regular season, with the league's highest drop rate, and then you go and you watch that game and you see Travis Kelsey drop two surefire balls that should have been big plays. And then you also see Mecole Hardman just kind of running half speed through the secondary, being overthrown, underthrown. Mahomes is yelling and gesticulating at him because he's like, why didn't you fight for that? You could have drawn a PI flag. You could have done something. 
they're getting nothing from these wide receivers. And in fact, if you're Kadarius Tony, targeting Kadarius Tony has actually resulted in just as many negative plays for the offense as positive, which is crazy. Like that guy sucks. I hate him. I hate his shitty attitude. I hate the way he treated the Giants and Giants fans on his way out of town. And so I think it's fitting that he's not only been injured, but he's also been a laughing stock this year. Like, the Chiefs just don't, like, something's broken here, and the question becomes why. They've had time on tasks together. They've got a great coordinator. They've got a genius at quarterback, a savant. So what's the problem? Well, first of all, the Kansas City wide receivers don't get a lot of natural separation. Here's a fun Here's a fun stat for you, Chris. Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey are in the NFL's top 15 for average separation over the course of the regular season. The next closest Chiefs player falls outside of the top 90. The top 90 for average separation. That's Justin Watson. He was an individual who caught I think a pass, and I think he was second on the team or third on the team in touchdown passes for the year. He's out there with Jared McKinnon. Just that idea that, like, well, they have a guy that they can throw to sometimes in Justin Watson. And then everybody else on the Chiefs in the Chiefs pass catching group is below him somehow. And what's embarrassing about that is that Watson averaged six yards of cushion from opposing defenders, but averaged just two and a half yards of separation, which tells you he actually loses yardage after the snap more than he wins extra leverage in space when you when you try to target it on a, on a given play. <clears throat> These are all players who can be schemed open because they have a great coach. And because, like Chris, Andy Reid, I'm never going to knock that guy. He understands how to call a game and how to scheme an offense and how to game plan for an opponent. If he can't make this work with this group of wide receivers, who can? Clearly not Patrick Mahomes on a consistent basis. I mean, if anything, this sounds a lot like the wide receiver core that the Bills had back when Ryan Fitzpatrick was our quarterback. What? Uh, David Nelson, Donald Jones. Uh, who, what? Scott Chandler was our most effective receiver. In that excellent dance, the shovel. The Chiefs obviously are not that bad, right? They're not drought-era Bills bad. But it's a similar dynamic. When you look around and go, oh, wait a minute, there's not a single wide receiver outside of these two guys with any natural speed, with any high-end route running, with any size advantages that they can use to make catches because they can't separate with their route running. It's just a problem, and it's not something that you can fix at this point in NFL season. Now, the Chiefs have tried to make up for that by using more tight ends. Noah Gray is a name you guys should get to know. He's bigger, he's taller, but he's still got a little fast. You know, he's not quite a blocking tight end. He's not big enough for that, but he's a wide... He, it's almost like a Mike Gesicki type of thing he's got going on, where they trust him to run some routes. They don't trust him to be a pure, play, a pure blocker, either for the run or the pass. And the way I know that is something we're about to talk about. But either way... They don't have a true speed threat outside of Rice. And his play is solid, but inconsistent, but solid. 
they're des- so desperate that the Jets couldn't find a way to use Michael Hardman and the Chiefs brought him back. That should tell you. Everyone's like, oh, look, the Chiefs, they're just genius move. They've got another guy who knows the system. No, what that is is a sign of desperation. They said, listen, this worked one time. Can we get the band back together and maybe make hay with this? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I just, like, you look at that game against Miami over the weekend, Miko Hardman, three targets for three yards on one catch. (laughs) He looks like he's lost a step. He's not the receiver that they let go to free agency. And he clearly doesn't have his quarterback's trust. Now, the Noah Gray dynamic, how I talk about how he's more of a move tight end and he's a guy that they're going to use in the passing game, it's because the team also has protection issues. They do. The scoreboard would tell you that the Chiefs throttled the Dolphins and embarrassed them and that they should all be fucking ashamed of themselves, which is true. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. They should be ashamed of themselves. Just the same if you look at the actual fine metrics. Mahomes was 0 for 3 on passes of more than 20 air yards. But Chris, you have Patrick Mahomes. You have Patrick, I'm smarter than you, I'm more cerebral than you in terms of my vision and how I see the field and how I diagnose plays pre-snap. I have a gun. He's got an arm that's just as impressive as Josh Allen's. And yet, they took three downfield attempts. Three. Very unlike the Chiefs. It's also, well, it's not the quarterback's fault. And it sure as hell isn't the fact that their quarter that their offensive coordinator doesn't know how to scheme up a deep passing game. The Bills know that. Every time I bring up 13 seconds or I think about it, it just makes me sad. I'm getting a fresh beer. So, ah, with that said, not only does he not have deep targets he can regularly trust, but he his offensive line hasn't been up to the typical standard, and that's 100% their own damn fault. They got cute in the offseason and decided they didn't need to, even though they traded for Orlando Brown from the Ravens, and they, they franchise-tagged him, and they knew what his salary demands were going to be. I think the fact that they won a Super Bowl last year made them cocky, and they said, well, we can, we can retool. If we're not winners again, no the fan base won't riot. No one will really care. And at the same time, we can get out from under this contract, and we can go out and sign a Donovan Smith, who's just as good, and we can go trade for a Juwan Taylor and give him a big contract extension. Look at that. We've got bookend tackles again. Work is done, baby. Championship. Except, I don't know. 
Taylor currently leads the NFL in penalties. He is the most penalized player in the NFL. And for our people who go, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, well, talk about the uh, play against Miami where they had a touchdown run. And for no reason at all, Taylor just blocked a guy in the back. And immediately got it taken. Took seven points off the board in a drive that ended up in a field goal. That's not great. And at the same time, if you're talking about just pure blocking, Donovan Smith was injured. He had an okay day. Okay day. Coming back from his injury against, I mean, Chris, who did the, who did they have? As pass rushers for Miami. I have no idea. Bruce Irvin, Justin Houston. <clears throat> I keep wanting to say Melvin Ingram, but I think he's the... My brother could have made it down. He's not far. He lives out that way. Does he have any, any experience rushing the passer? No, he has no athletic ability. <laughs> I, I have so many jokes I want to make at your expense. So many. Like... Wait, are you trying to tell me that you think you're a better athlete than your brother? 100%. What would he say if he was in the room right now and I said, Daryl, Chris thinks he's a better athlete than you? He would 100% agree with me. He hasn't played hockey in years. Real hockey or roller hockey? Either way, it's hockey. Is, We've always is, played is roller. It is yeah. it, though? Yeah. Play with a puck, stick, dangle snipe celly. I hate you so much. So you look at that game, and you've got Donovan Smith giving up two pressures and two hurries. Now, they kept Mahomes clean because Mahomes is very good at getting away from sloppy pass rush. But also, Juwan Taylor. He gave up the only quarterback hit of the night and also penalties. <laughs> and it's just that thing of like, oh, okay, so you're so you're that guy. Awesome. You're just this dude who's out here who doesn't like he graded okay as a pass pass blocker, terrible as a run blocker, as did Donovan Smith, as did Joe Tooney. And this is against a depleted Miami line. So you just think about that and you say to yourself, well, how does that impact the passing game? Well, I'll tell you how you go back and watch some of the tape, right? It's affected their play calling. I sat here and I watched a couple plays from the Raiders game that they lost because I was just watching that game going, how are they not making hay against the Raiders? The Raiders are terrible. Their coach got fired. One of the things you see is that they don't trust their tackles all the time in one-on-one situations anymore, especially if they're going up against good pass rushers, which the Bills have some. I think the Bills have that thing where we don't have a Max Crosby, but what we have is a bunch of guys who I think, Chris, if you want to go to, as I'm talking about this, pro football reference and just bring up defensive statistics, I just want to see how many sacks we have spread across the roster. We have a litany of pass rushers with different styles, different approaches, different tracks that they'll take to get to the quarterback. And so with that in mind, the one thing you've seen is it's never Noah Gray coming in to block or chip, or give some help. It's almost always Travis Kelsey. Like, they're running 11 personnel, sometimes 12, but they're stuck leaving Kelsey and Gray in. And a lot of times it's Kelsey, because I think Mahomes trusts Kelsey 
more than he does anybody else on the roster. So the reality is, is that you watch all of these patterns developing where you've got a team that's playing quarters coverage and they drop their defenders back and say, hey, we're going to sort of give you the middle, but that's because we see that you have Travis Kelsey lined up in line. And we think our linebacker can get over there and cover that a little bit. and We can drop a safety fast enough to take away his area of reception. And every single time what you're seeing is them have to kind of bring him into chip. And then he's slow getting out into a pattern. And then by that point, Mahomes is already either under duress or just sees the play going nowhere and aborts or takes a check down. There's a lot of things that we're used to seeing that are really dynamic from the Chiefs offense that they're not able to run like trademark motion and spacing and all these things that they, they they've beaten people to death with. And a lot of that is gone and evaporated over the course of the last month of football. And it's because Mahomes doesn't fully trust that offensive line. Now imagine that line coming in here with that cast of wide receivers. I just talked about in hostile territory where maybe you're now forced to use a silent count and you have to trust that your communication and just everything pre-snap and hand signals and that everybody's going to be where they need to be. How confident if you were Patrick Mahomes, would you be in that materializing on the road in hostile territory? The first time you as a quarterback have ever had to do it. I don't know. Mahomes is uh pretty fucking good. He's good. But I would, think you specifically because you'll be there will be able to make enough noise to irritate him because he is a curly headed fuck i have yelled that quite a bit in fact i made mark smith's dad laugh really hard during the uh do you remember the power outage sunday night football game where you had to leave early no you came to Mark's house and then left at halftime when you saw that it was going to be extended to like 11 o'clock. The, the Chiefs. Chief. Bill's Chiefs. In yeah, I think City. so. I think I remember that. Yeah. I, I think I came late because somehow I shattered my key fob from yes, my car. I remember you saying that. You're like, I broke my key. And I just started laughing because I was hoping it was like broken off in your door. Like that would be the funniest thing I've ever heard. No. what? Who has a key that sticks into a... a a keyhole now. So Chris just pulled this up, guys. This is what makes the Bills defensive line difficult to try to take on. You've got Ed Oliver with nine and a half sacks, Leonard Floyd with ten and a half, AJ Epinesa with six and a half, Greg Rousseau with five. Then you go down to the D tackles. Okay, so what do, what do we have here? We've got Dodson, who's got two and a half, Phillips with two and a half, Taquan Jones with two and a half. And then a bunch of guys who have a single one. So Linville Joseph, Shaq Lawson, Tim Settle, these ancillary players. Rasul Douglas has a sack because sometimes they'll blitz from the secondary. The Bills, when you look at that pressure, like in what we were able to create, we actually do very well in that regard. The Chiefs do it better, right? The pressure percentage, pressure percentage, the sack numbers, they're slightly better in sacks. I think they've got about 31 more pressures over the course of the season than the Bills do. We play a lot alike. Our defensive lines are multifaceted. There's not one guy that you pay attention to because they've got a George Karloftis. They've got a Charles Omenihue, who has been a great free agency pickup for them. 
They've got, obviously, a Chris Jones, who I think him and Josh Allen have this weird love-hate relationship. Because if you watch the NFL 100, where they talk about players voting on their you know fellow players for the top 100 in the league, Chris Jones always has something nice to say about Josh Allen. Or he'll just be like, man, that dude's intense. He'll trash talk you, and then he'll juke you, and he'll do this. It's like he you can tell he respects Allen because he's a guy who's had a lot of success as a pass rusher on the defensive line. And Allen's just a guy who gets as good as he gives. You know, gives as good as he gets from the Kansas City Chiefs every time they play. I think that this offense for the Chiefs is going to have to contend with a lot of adversity in this game. And that's probably where this thing gets won and lost. But we can't forget about their defense. Chris, I mean, they their defense. Like if you want to go back and now, now do this, you're on pro football talk, or pro football reference, flip over to the Chiefs for me. Just scroll up. It's going to be right there at the top. You click that link. I'll get it. Yeah, you get that up. So this is a defense that has been very, very good this year. You know, we've, I think we've gotten used to seeing a Chiefs team that's kind of powered by its offense, and its defense has always been mediocre but good enough to get the job done. <laughs> and a lot of that's to Steve Spagnuolo's credit. Well, this year, I think knowing that they went cheap at wide receiver – because you figure they've got Kadarius Tony, who's really not making much. They've got <clears throat> Sky Moore on a rookie contract. They've got Rasheed Rice on a rookie contract. They've got Justin Watson, who's not getting paid anything. They're, they have a very cheap wide receiver group and a very cheap tight end room if you take Travis Kelsey out of the equation. So with that in mind, what's been the backbone of this team? Why are they in the divisional round? It's because their defense has actually been carrying them through a lot of these football games. You take a look, so I think he's now a second-year player, George Karloftis. He's got ten and a half sacks. Chris Jones has ten and a half sacks. Charles O'Menehue has seven sacks. Mike Dana has six and six six point five sacks. You know, Drew Tranquil, the linebacker, has four and a half sacks. <clears throat> They've got guys who pressure all the way down their roster. Like it. They come from everywhere. They've got cornerbacks. They've got Trent McDuffie with three. He's your starting cornerback. He is your best outside cornerback. Except, well, Legereus Sneed, but he plays inside. He shadows your best receiver. So he does a lot of different things for you. Your best or second best cornerback on the outside somehow has three sacks. That tells you how creative that Spagnuolo's gotten with his blitz and his pressure packages, and it's a reason that they outpace the Bills in terms of pressure. They're second in the NFL next to the Detroit Lions. That's pretty good. Their, the quality of their front seven, I think we saw that when the Bills played them the first time. You go back to that first matchup and you watch that. James Cook had a good day passing, Right? Like we opened up that game against them and we said, okay, cool. We can do this thing where we throw the ball on a wheel route because we have their linebackers. We know their system. <clears throat> we know their defensive coordinator. We've played enough games against them and we know what their rules are. So we can put their linebackers and safeties in conflict. But when you look at the, like the overall picture and you say to yourself, okay, we had 118 yards rushing, but James Cook didn't have a stellar day on the ground. No one really did. 
not our quarterbacks, not our running backs. Everything was very pedestrian. <clears throat> I mean, so they had the same problem, but that's they were also missing Isaiah Pacheco. Their defensive front seven, I think, Chris, you're not going to see a lot of the big runs and the missed tackles that you saw us get away with against Pittsburgh. I think that was a huge part of why we won that game the way that we won it, is because their front seven played with a real lack of discipline, as did their secondary. <clears throat> There's a real lack of tackling, which is surprising considering that they're a Pittsburgh team that usually prides itself on the toughness of their defense, right? Yes. The Chiefs have that. And so for everything that their offense isn't, their defense is, and they've got it in spades, right? Their coverage, their coverage grades in the back end. They don't give up a ton. They don't have a lot of problems. One of the best, you know, uh, a wrinkle in this that I, I think was funny when we were talking about the offense, and I probably should have brought it up then, but like, Chris, the Taylor Swift drama. The defense is going to hold our offense in check to a certain degree. Everyone needs to temper their expectations, but this is why I'm saying at the top of the show, this is a game that if I'm the Bills quarterback, I'm going into it knowing I probably need to get close to 30. It's going to be hard to do. It's going to be really hard to do against this team, against this defense. When I look at the Chiefs and I look at the scores that they've allowed over the course of the season, nobody's been able to hang that kind of points on them. Their opponents, I don't see a single 30-burger anywhere on here. You know, they, they gave up 24 in a weird, you know, the flu game for Patrick Mahomes. They gave up 27 to the Green Bay Packers on the road. That is that is one of the interesting things. On the road, their defense is not nearly as good as it is at home. And their offense is not nearly as good. You, know, you look at just their away games this season. <clears throat> at home, they scored 41 against the Bears. But it's the Bears. But at home, they also scored 31 against the Los Angeles Chargers. At home, right, you go down the list, they scored 25 against the Bengals, 26 against the Dolphins. You look at their road scoring. They scored 27 against the Patriots, but it took some chicanery and some late-game stuff to make that happen. It was like a last-minute scoring to kind of press things up a little bit. Otherwise, they lose to the Raiders and they score 14. Right? They go out there. Now, mind you, there was no Patrick Mahomes that last week, but they win 13-12 at the Chargers. 17-21. I just see a lot of I see a lot of them going on the road, and their offense isn't nearly as imposing as you you would expect it to be. They scored 17 points against the Jaguars when their whole roster was healthy when they had everybody that they needed at their disposal, they scored 17 points. So I look at that and I say to myself, okay, we've got them on the road. They're not going to be the same offense. Can we press their defense, right? Can we get the advantage here, having them on the road? I think defenses travel better than offenses, don't you? Yeah, that makes sense. I anticipate that this is going to be a game you're going to have to do something no one's been able to do all season. If you're going to beat them, you're going to have to try to find a way to score 27 to 30 points. And your your defense is going to give up plays. 
because you're just undermanned at this point. And if you're Sean McDermott, I hear the people who go, this is it. You know, you got to have, you got to have everybody out there. You got to rush guys like Gabe Davis back to the field. You have to rush a guy because we know their defense is going to be imposing. We know Trent McDuffie is going to play very tough physical football against our team. And then you start thinking about it. Okay, Legereus Sneed against uh, against Stephon Diggs. That's probably the matchup, right? Considering he traveled with Tyreek Hill for most of the night. Yeah. Okay. You're going to see a lot of that. So then you say to yourself, okay, well, where else can I make hay? It's going to be hard to find. I mean, there's not... They don't give up a ton of yards after the catch the way they have in the past. I'm looking at guys like Khalil Shakir going, hey... It's like I said, if they were ever going to find an extra gear for their offense, they had to find a way to get Shakir involved. Look what's happening. He's becoming a playmaker for you every time you put the ball in his hands. Dalton Kincaid is going to have to show that his rare physical gifts, he can get on top of these linebackers and he can get out there and make that happen. It's going to be hard. But you're going to have to do it because for everybody who wants to rush all these injured defensive players back to the field, If you're a coach, you have to take the long view of it and say, hey, I might have a game here against a Houston Texans offense that right now is playing like a house of fire. I'm going to have to roll the dice and say, listen, I think I'm a good enough defensive coordinator, which is crazy to say out loud. I'm a good enough defensive coordinator that I think I can cobble together a game plan that can slow this Chiefs team down enough then I can slow this Chiefs team down enough that my quarterback, my freak athlete quarterback, can go out there and make the types of plays he needs to make and get us this win. I don't need Sean McDermott to win the game. I need him to be a speed bump for the Kansas City Chiefs. What I need is Josh Allen to be the man. He was talking this week about how cool it is to get this game here. Get this game here in Buffalo. You know, Patrick Mahomes' first road game and all these things. And he was like, these are the moments that get you excited as a quarterback. Like, he's excited for the opportunity to have this game against Patrick here rather than back at the Arrowhead Invitational. That's the mentality he's got to have. Him and Brady have to have a very aggressive mindset. And even if and when things go wrong, when he throws an errant pass and it gets picked off, when a ball gets tipped at the line of scrimmage and the linebacker, you know, Tranquil comes up with it or Willie Gay comes away with a pick. Stay the course. Sling it. What did Miami teach you? You're better. You can overcome almost anything. Like, if there was anybody who could back themselves into a corner and then shoot their way out of it, it's Josh Allen. I believe that. This is the game where you're going to have to do it. And you're going to have to do it from Jump Street. And you're going to have to do it with a cast of characters that they're going to make their plan Stefan Diggs, right? That's a huge part of the Kansas City game plan. How can we cover Stefan Diggs? Well, it's going to be a healthy dose of Legereus Sneed. They're probably going to have Justin Reed or another safety kind of patrolling deep. They're never going to give us the deep shot because they know we're going to try to take it. And I'm sure by now they've seen the film over the last few weeks where we've gotten Kincaid on linebackers and gotten some big catch and runs. I wouldn't be surprised if they give us more of the middle of the field and allow us to operate in that box knowing they can't give up. Just like the Bills, they can't give up the big play. So they're willing to give us small victories in between. 
I think a lot of this is going to come down to us attacking that front seven. It's going to be taking the fact that Willie Gay doesn't cover all that well. <laughs> he just doesn't. Like for, for a linebacker, he's the one you want to pick on if you can. This is where, hey, where's James Cook? Okay, what do wh- how can we get James Cook to the linebacker level and get the ball in his hands in space where he can make a play? These are the questions they're going to be asking themselves over there at One Bills Drive this week. How can we use and win this game with James Cook, Khalil Shakir, Dalton Kincaid? Dawson Knox, red zone weapon. As long as he didn't drop the ball. Don't, don't you. He didn't drop the one we threw to him this time. It was nice. Nice touchdown against Pittsburgh. I think that you kind of have to attack these guys with your ancillary players, but I've never felt more confident in the secondary cast of characters of a Bills team as I do right now. Am I crazy for thinking that? Not at all. I mean, this game on Sunday for Josh Allen, dude, what do you want your legacy to be? You have the ability. You're He's what, 27? 26, 27. I think he's 27 years old. You got a solid eight to ten years left in in the league. What do you want your legacy to be? He did the, talk about that this week. He he talked about the fact that this is a legacy changing game, Patrick. Because he, he was talking about the idea that Patrick and those guys like they've been to Super Bowls, they've won Super Bowls. And I'm trying to get there, and in order to get there, I got to go through them. And now I get a chance to do it in my building. I get a chance to do it in front of my fans. I get I get that energy. I get the crowd on my side. I get all of these things. And hearing that, that's the thing that gets me fired up about this. It's not the fact that he's excited. It's about it's it's not because any quarterback, like you you don't play in the NFL if you don't get up for games. If this like this is what drives you, it's the reason that you punish yourself physically and mentally. All year long, trying to stay in shape, trying to get in, cramming in the film time and trying to figure out how to coordinate everything because you love, you love to be in these moments and you love to win these games. But to hear him talk about how I get to do this, this is a privilege. I, I'm, I'm so happy that I get a chance to grab this thing with both hands. That's the energy that I want Josh Allen to harness when he comes into this game. Because this is it. It's win or go home. But we've been playing win-or-go-home football now for a month. And in the past, you know, you talk about last year when we ran out of gas ahead of Cincinnati. This time in the season, we have a very different energy around this football team. Like, if this is the last preview podcast we do of the year, like, I don't even want to do keys to victory. What I want to do is I want to leave it with this. In the past, I've watched a football team that has been you know, kind of riding a wave. And then they have these moments where it's like, oh man, what a way to go. Oh my God, we did this thing. And they, you know, they beat Baltimore. And then you find out that everybody's hurt and you go into Kansas City and you just get mopped up. Right? AFC Championship game, 2020. They just beat you up physically. And then you find out like, oh, Cole Beasley's playing with a broken leg. So that didn't help. Oh, our Andy's off- unvaccinated. <laughs> oh, our offensive line is bad. 
Oh, we that got exposed painfully on the biggest stage. They just beat up our shitty offensive line. Oh, Stefan Diggs has a hernia, and they got to get that fixed after the game's over. But he's been fighting through it, trying to be a stud for us, because he wants to win that badly. You go into the the, the divisional round. You know, I feel divisional round against Cincinnati, and you look at it and you say that was a team that had just emotionally exhausted. They peaked the week before. They peaked. A, they they beat. They beat. Uh, who is it? Who did they beat? Uh, they they barely. Well, first of all, they beat New England in the last game. Big emotional home game. Two kick return touchdowns. People are crying. The players are just. And then you go into a game against Miami and almost lose to their third string quarterback. And it's another just emotionally draining victory. And then you get to that Cincinnati game and you don't have anything left. And you're just flat-footed. This team right now, for all of the adversity that they've gone through, it's almost like that did something for them. Because you look at the offensive side of the ball and you look at the way that they're operating and you look at the things that they're able to do, that they're able to come back from. How many teams and how many quarterbacks can do what we did in that Miami game? Hey, three turnovers. All all these yards, but nothing but wasted opportunities to show for it. We're late in the game. Everything's on the line. High-pressure situation. And you come out and you just dominate when it matters. I think that this is finally a team that's peaking at the right time emotionally. I think that Josh Allen has the absolute right headspace. I think that anybody who ever doubted Stefan Diggs' commitment to this franchise can see that he's committed. They're getting coaching from Sean McDermott and play calling on defense from Sean McDermott that they haven't gotten in the past. Like, that's played an integral role of this wave of success we've had that we rode to the number two seed. It's the reason we're here. Everything, whether it's pretty or not, came together. You're going to go in there, and regardless of how shorthanded you are on defense, you have the tools to give this Kansas City team the best shot that you've been able to give them in a long time. And your quarterback is excited about it. How could you not be? How could you not be? I can't wait to be out there in the middle of it. Snowstorm or not, consequences be damned. I mean, look at this, Chris. What's the menu? I don't even know. Kansas Depen- City barbecue? Depen- <sighs> Absolutely not. You what? You know what? This guys, this the Q forty two Q forty two KC style sweet rub will not be served at the tailgate on Sunday. Absolutely not. It's banned. I don't care. It's to my own detriment, but I'm willing to make sacrifices if that's what this requires. Does Iman know this? Well, he does now. All right. Mandate. We'll have to send him a a message and let him know that uh, his his award-winning barbecue rub not allowed at the tailgate. Persona non grata. 
And also, if I see you wearing anything red that doesn't also have a charging buffalo on it, you're getting a snowball. Now, I'm not going to heckle. I'm not going to talk shit. I'm not going to hurt anybody's feelings, but you are getting a snowball. Just know that. You know who needs to get a snowball? Taylor Swift. Guys. Somebody. Maybe the most important dynamic of the entire game. But also. Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are entering the, what, a, a, a difficult part of their relationship. In fact, how is it worded? TMZ. TMZ sources say Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are entering a very challenging stage of their relationship. Is this Please where, let this be the day. Is this where she finds out that he's a fucking tool? No, but here's here's what I will say. Somebody was joking about how Travis, uh, how Taylor Swift skipped Buffalo on her Eras tour. And how it's fitting that she's now forced to come to Ruff Wilson Stadium to watch her boyfriend lose a football game. You know who has a say in that? Hmm. The heiress two are not coming to Buffalo. Terry Pagula can pull some strings here. Now here's and the- I'm no, I'm expecting to watch that game. I'm gonna be able to watch the most of the second half is when I get home from work. I want to see CBS cut to shots of Taylor Swift, and she's in Takeo Spikes' suite. That's where, that's where that's where she belongs. That same suite that they can't they, get her in frame. Takeo Spikes was in. They can't get her in frame. They're like, well, Taylor's up there. It's, we just we can't see her because of the abutment. Yes, that would be highly fitting. And I think nothing would be funnier than would they announce their breakup after they after the Chiefs lose this football game. Give me an emotionally turbulent Travis Kelsey for this game. Please, please do that. Guys, there's so much at stake. And yet, I don't know. I just feel like if there was ever a group who was going to take a shot at it, I like my chances with this one. So I'm going to be out there. I'm going to be loud. I'm going to be proud. I urge everybody out there to join me if you can. Tailgate, 4180, Abbott Road. Meet meet up with us ahead of time. This might be the last hurrah, Chris. Hopefully it's not. Right? Hopefully this is just a precursor to an even bigger game to come. Whatever happens... I mean, what a season, man. And what a fitting end, right? Like, if you're going to do this, it's the Chiefs. It's the Chiefs, and it's at home, and to your point, what do you want your legacy to be as a coach? Hey, Sean, what do you want your legacy to be, that you could never get over the Andy Reid hump? Josh Allen, what do you want this to be? Do you want this to be that you were always second fiddle? You were always second best. I don't know. I just feel like this one lines up a lot better than some of the other ones we've had in the past. I can't wait to go out out there and watch this team give it everything that they have. Guys, again, if this is the last preview that we do this season, it's been fun. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. This has been your Rock Pile Report. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? 
Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.